Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Listen for God's word to you today. Now loud, large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A Stewardship Sunday text. <laughs> I want to um, welcome you all once again, those who are watching online at home, hi, and to you who are here in person, it's great to see you. Um, today, as you know, is All Saints Sunday, and um, it's also the beginning of our stewardship season uh, together as a church. This is the time of year where we really focus on talking about our faith and our finances, um, how we use the resources that God has put in our hand, the things that we have worked hard for and that we also know is all a gift in the end. So this is the time of year where we try to think together about what the future might hold for our church, and especially as we try to build our budget and make good plans for this coming year. This is a time where we want to focus on developing habits for living thankful lives, joyful lives, lives that express our values into the world. So what I want to do with our time together today, is just for a few minutes, is to give you three words, three P words. And each of these is going to help us think about our financial giving, our generosity, the way we might bless others, our stewardship, how we do what we're going to do with what God has given us. So the first P is priority, priority. Sometimes um, I make to-do lists when I need to get things done, and there are a lot of things on the list. Some of the things that I have to do, some are things on my to-do list that I want to do, and some things on my to-do list I've already done. Have you ever done that? You know, I, 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 I write like brush my teeth, check, done. Um, I'll write make a to-do list, check, done. I, I want to get some credit for things that I've already done. Um, maybe that's just a bad habit. I don't know. Uh, these are my priorities. These are my priorities among all the good things that I know I need to do. The whole list is things that I want to do, need to do, would like to do, but some of these are priorities ab above others. So, for example, for me, writing my sermon every week is something that I have to do. I must do. I will do. But it's never the first thing I do. It is not the first thing. It's a priority in a sense, but it's not my number one priority. It doesn't come before brushing my teeth. A priority is something that is important, right? It's important. But a priority is also something that you put first, something that you decide first, 
something that you do first, like brushing your teeth in the morning, and then you move on to the rest of your day, the rest of your tasks, the rest of the things that you're going to do. So a priority, priority, that first P in this stewardship season, means setting up your financial giving to God first, not last. We're not going to be people who want to give God the leftovers from our dinner. We're not going to seek to be people who to put it off and maybe we'll get back to it later, but maybe we won't. We want to prioritize the way that we use our finances uh, for God's work. Having a regular financial commitment to your, to your church and to God's work in the world means trusting God deeply right from the start if we're going to prioritize. Um, and I want to make something clear about this uh, because I know some folks are like, oh gosh, why did I come to church in stewardship season? And I see you out there. Um, you know, you might say, oh, I don't want to hear about money in my church. Like, let's not, let's skip over that topic. But here's the thing. Jesus locates our relationship with money within our relationship to God. Jesus locates our relationship to our money, our ways of thinking about it, the way we use it within our relationship to God. This is not a separate topic from our faith. This is a part of being a mature disciple of Christ. So that's why I'm talking about it, and that's why it's so important for us to hear again. In our scripture lesson today, Jesus is talking about what it takes to be a disciple. And he he uses hyperbole. Okay, really quickly, turn to someone next to you and explain to them what does hyperbole mean. Turn to someone next to you, what does hyperbole mean? All right. What what are we hearing out here? Exaggeration a little bit? Extreme exaggeration? This preacher's up here using these big words. Let's get it straight. Okay, so Jesus uses hyperbole sometimes to exaggerate in order to make his point. This is what he says. Unless you hate your mother and your father, your wife and your children, your sisters and your brothers, even your own life, unless you hate all of that, you can't come and follow me. So alarm bells start to go off in our heads when we hear something like that, Uh, especially in church. You're like, what kind of church is this? Hate your parents, hate your kids, hate your own life. What does this mean? What is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is speaking in this dramatic way to make something really clear for us. His point is that our relationship to God or our following of Christ in our lives is meant to be a priority ahead of everything else, even ahead of all those good and great things, those wonderful relationships, those deeply held values that we have. So we, gotta, we, we need to put, I almost said we got to put, we need to put our relationship with God first, not second place, third place fourth place, after all the other things we have going on. So if our faith life is going to be a priority, it means putting it first. So that means don't wait to come to worship. It's a priority. Don't wait to go to God in prayer. Don't wait to love your neighbor as yourself. Don't wait to welcome the stranger. Don't wait to forgive someone in your life. Don't wait to seek forgiveness for yourself. And don't wait to put your faith into action by how you give back to God in a generous way. Priority means you don't wait. You make your plans now. Which then leads me into my second P word for the day. First is priority. Second is planning. Priority and then planning. 
Anybody who wants to talk about finances, whether it's for your family, your household, for your business, or for our church, if you want to talk finances, you better talk about planning. Jesus gives us a word picture, an image for what this kind of planning might be like. He says, there was once a man who was building a tower. But before he started building, he needed to make a plan for the materials, the cost, the design, the labor involved. Is all of this going to be worth it? Will he have enough to finish once he starts? I see some people remodeling their house here in the front, and they are in the middle of this. They're about to be ridiculed if they can't finish by me. Um, For the person in this story, it says, if they are not able to finish, if they start out and build a foundation, but they didn't plan well, they're going to end up with a half-built house, and people are going to say, oh, this guy doesn't know how to handle his money. Imagine if halfway through our church's year, we hadn't planned, and we ran out of money, and we turned off all the lights, and we laid off all the staff, and we stopped our mission giving. You would say, what is going on here? The church needs to plan. You yourselves need to plan your own personal finances as well as your planned giving to God's work in the world. This is the time of year when we do that kind of planning, where we budget plan, where we, um, where we, we have these kind of conversations together about what is going to happen this coming year, just like you do around the kitchen table at your home. You know the way that you need to sit down periodically in your own home, maybe with your spouse, with your family, or just with your own checkbook, your own sense of self, and you say, what is my income? What are my expenses? What are my priorities? What are my values? What are my hopes and aspirations? What am I going to spend my money on this year? When we set apart some of our income, some of our earnings, some of our money for God's work through our church, it's an expression of our faith. It's a way of saying, I'm part of what God is doing. I'm trusting God that God will take care of me. It's thanksgiving. It's a way of saying, wow, I've been blessed in certain ways. Here's a portion back to the work of God. It's a way of serving or helping or loving or blessing others. We can do more together to bless our community and the world than any one of us can do just on our own. So here's an example in the life of our church. Our mission committee this has a plan. We do planning together. And we have this document where we plan out each month's giving from our church for our mission projects and partners. Things like the Emmanuel House that serves refugees from Afghanistan who have come to the Bay Area, who live in San Jose. Or like front door communities that feeds the working poor and the homeless, which um, Stephen and Madeline have talked about these. Or like bridge communities, which works with the Latino community in East San Jose around parenting groups and job training opportunities. We have global mission partners, you know, people like the the Parkers in Beirut, Lebanon, who I visited just before the pandemic, and everything about Lebanon in the news is so tough, and these folks are there doing their ministry. So the the mission committee of our church, I'm going to give you a little nuts and bolts. We make a plan every year, a monthly giving plan, and we have a percentage of the income of our church. And as a church, we're 10% tithers. So we, uh, of our church's budget, where we receive this amount of money in, and then we send out a percentage of that into the world. So we, we seek to grow our percentage, but it's certainly above that 10% tithe as a church in terms of what we're giving to our mission partners. And so every month we make a plan. I guess that's the same thing about, um, about our church staff. We have an excellent church staff, right? And we want to make sure that we plan 
to be able to pay our staff and keep them on with us doing their work. We have a beautiful church campus. We have one of the garden spot church campuses of the entire area, and this building and this uh, campus is in use nearly every day of the week with different groups and ministries that happen here. So we plan to make sure we have maintenance and we, have, we keep ahead of the upkeep on our buildings and our grounds. I know you all know about planning. You are not only Presbyterians. Well, that's it. You're just Presbyterians, I guess. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing more you need to say. But here's the thing about plans. Plans can change. Plans can change, right? Jesus gives a second parable along with a first where he talks a little bit about this king who's going out to battle. And the king has been making good plans for battle, right? Getting the troops, training the troops, getting the horses, getting the swords and shields. And why am I making this a medieval thing? I don't know. But it seems that way to me. And then, just before, on the eve of battle, as he's getting ready, a scout comes back. And this, this advanced scout goes out and says, hey, king, it turns out they don't have 10,000. They have 20,000 troops. So now the circumstances have changed, and the king has to think, wow, can I go out and battle with my 10,000 against their 20,000, or will I lose, and I need to make a change? I need to shift gears. I need a plan B. Have you ever needed a plan B in your life? Right? An alternative opportunity or, or possibility? Because life, life, life happens and things change. Nobody plans on a cancer diagnosis, but it happens. Nobody plans to lose their job, but it happens. Nobody plans to lose a loved one, but it happens. I'm so aware this year in particular, as we come out of the COVID pandemic, that the circumstances of many people's lives have changed and you've had to adjust on the fly. You've made hard decisions. You aren't exactly sure what the future will look like. And so it's hard to plan too much. But this is the encouragement I want to give to you today. When we make giving to our church, our church family, a, a financial priority, and when we plan on it by sending in our pledge cards and making our generous pledges, it doesn't mean that if life changes, you're stuck. If you prioritize and make a plan, and then your life changes, and there's a plan B needed, it's, you're not stuck. This is not a legal contract. This is a, this is a document, a spiritual document between you and God for your giving to your church. But God knows your heart. God knows your life. God knows your need before you ask. So as you think about your planning towards your church this coming year, do not be afraid to take a step in your giving. Because, sure, the economy could crash, you could lose your job, everyone around you could die of COVID. It could happen, and if it does, you're going to change, you're going to shift, you're going to adapt. But why not plan for plan A, and then if plan B comes, that's okay too. This brings me to my third P, my third P for the morning. The first one, what is it? Priority. The second one? planning, your favorite. The third one is progressive, progressive giving, progressive giving. What does it mean to be a progressive giver, one who is continuing to develop or grow or increase? So listen before you get into this. I'm your pastor. Hear me well. I am talking to you knowing that some of you are on a fixed income. Your income is not growing progressively, and that's going to be reflected in your giving. 
Some of you, I know, have lost job opportunities or hours or income, so your giving will not be progressive in this sense. It will reflect your life circumstances. But others of you, who I want, I want to talk with today, others of us, and I'll include myself, the encouragement is, to, is that as our personal or household incomes increase, to allow our giving to increase too. As our personal situation increases over time, over the years, make sure our giving keeps track with that. So let's say, here's an example. Last year, you pledged a certain amount. For the math nerds in the back, let's call it X. Okay, X. Now this year, maybe you got in your job a cost of living increase, or maybe you got a raise, or maybe you did well in the stock market. I'll bet you did. You don't feel rich, you're not set for life, but this is a good and growing trajectory for some of us. So when it comes to your giving, I want you to consider how to progressively increase as you grow. I was talking uh, this week with some folks about the rate of inflation, which is a big topic these days, right? I know you're tracking the rate of inflation. And inflation means that over time, 10 bucks doesn't buy the same amount of things as it used to, right? $10 in next year might buy less um, products than it did a year ago. So if you give your same pledge, X, year over year, and I'm not talking to you if you're on a fixed income and all the rest, but for everybody else, if you give X over the year and there's inflation and you give the same X, it's actually giving less. It's doing less. It's going less far. So the encouragement I have for you when it comes to this third P about progressive is, is that we're trying to keep up with the cost of things. We're trying to, um, to pay for the things we have to pay for, to do the things we want to do. And as you increase, your giving can increase too. So I know that it is not your, your in intention to be a regressive giver. You want to be a progressive giver. But it's a challenge because we can let this slip. I know that for me... Um, Maybe you're like me and you're kind of lazy sometimes in your finances, like Lisa will come home and look at the cable bill and she'll say, hey, the cable company added on this charge. And I'll say, oh, yeah, I know, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to it. And then she'll say, well, we have to pay this and we have to stop this from being on our charge, right? Um, but I have a habit of just sort of letting things go. Maybe in your own giving, you're a person who is so faithful in making online pledge and online giving. Thank you. Maybe you're a person who has a habit of writing a check to the church. Every week or every month, you're very stable in that kind of giving. But as we go into this season ahead, I invite you to look at it again, to look at your own household income again, your own situation again, revisit it. It's not about the amount, it's about the conversation with God, with yourself, with each other. So that's the message, that's the stewardship message, but now you might be thinking... Gosh, Pastor Dave, is this the whole sermon today? <laughs> All about inflation rates and budgets? Can we finish with something fun? Can we hear something interesting? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, you convinced me. One thing, I'll give you one thing. Uh, let me see a show of hands. How many of you know who Ebenezer Scrooge is? Ebenezer Scrooge from the Charles Dickens tale. Yes, you do, from A Christmas Carol. Help me out to make sure we're on the same page, just really quickly. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge, is he rich or poor? Rich. Through the majority of that story, A Christmas Carol, is Ebenezer Scrooge generous or stingy? Right? 
He is known for these two attributes, Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there he is, Ebenezer Scrooge. He is both very wealthy, a successful businessman, a shrewd negotiator, a person who understands the world of investments and financial dealings. He is smart with his money. And then he is also known to be quite stingy. His priorities were making and keeping his money. His plan was to make, make and keep his money. He was progressively making and keeping more money. He was following the three Ps. Ebenezer Scrooge was very consistent. But then you remember the story how he was visited by those three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future. And through this, they scare him into changing his life, and there's just transformation that happens. So that by the end of the story, Ebenezer Scrooge, who's a watchword for somebody who's both rich and stingy, he has now become generous. He starts freely giving to those in need, looking for ways to help. He puts his financial resources out for the good of others. He builds up his relationships. He's part of a community. He's making a difference. This is all a thankful response for his life. And what I notice about Ebenezer Scrooge at the end of the story is that he does not become a poor man through his giving. He is still incredibly wealthy. He is still financially savvy. He is still quite blessed. His giving, his generosity, his change of heart does not mean that he goes broke or that he's destitute. In fact, the more he gives, the richer he becomes. I know that none of us want to be Ebenezer Scrooge. We're not that mean and we're not that rich. But when we set a priority on giving to the work of God in our church, and when we make plans for what that looks like weekly or monthly or on a yearly basis, when we progressively grow so we don't accidentally fall behind, thanks to inflation, it leads to a more rich, connected, and joyful life. So it's good news for those around us who will be blessed by our church, who will hear of the ministry we have and be part of it, but it's also good news for we who give because this is another way to live out our calling to put our faith into action and to be God's people in this time and place. May God bless you today as you consider the three Ps. Priority, planning, progressive. May it be so for you. Amen.